It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Argyle Chat, the weekly Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live Sports Desk. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Argyle Chat, the weekly Plymouth Argyle podcast brought to you by Plymouth Live. Joining me to look back on a goalless draw with Cambridge United are our podcast regulars, Chris Errington and Jack Ball. Hi, gents. Good morning. Hello, Stu. We will talk about more than the goalless draw against Cambridge, <laughs> otherwise that would probably be the most boring podcast we've ever, we've ever had. So yeah, stick with us, there's plenty of yeah. good stuff on its way. It might only take a couple of minutes to, uh, to assess that. Yeah. Um, nice week off. Yes. We must apologise to our listeners for yes. not having a show last week. Yeah, but, um, Chris was off. Jack, you were on holiday somewhere. Working remotely, yeah. Oh, yeah. Only, only, only in Devon, I didn't go far. But, uh, no, school half term and, yeah, and things exactly. like that. So, um, well, I did cover both of the Saturday games, so I feel like I've got a pretty good grip on uh, an Argyle and what's been going on. And uh, we're reaching crunch straight stage now, aren't we? 12, we are. Pretty much everyone's got 12 games to go. I know Cheltenham have got a, a game in hand, but um, you, well, can start, you can start to see how it's going to shape up for the running now can't you yeah well absolutely I mean later on in the show I've got here you know it looked like three from four last week yeah now all of a sudden it looks like three from nine but yeah. we'll go we'll start off by talking about the goalless draw on Saturday Ryan Lowe um, referred to it as a bore draw mm. um, is that the case or is it slightly better than that I mean you came in earlier today Chris yeah. and said it, well, you've seen worse nil nils I, I have I, I thought Argyle played quite well in the first half and often they would have been in the lead by the break um Cambridge came and played for a, a point or certainly came to frustrate, to defend and maybe nick one on the break in the second half and they almost did that. They had a couple of opportunities in the last sort of 15, 20 minutes where they could have gone away as 1-0 winners. They also had a good penalty shout in the first half to be fair to them as well. Um, I read some of the reaction and I, I, it was a frustrating day. There's no doubt about it. Jack can maybe give the thought, sort of fans perspective, you know, uh, better than I but trying to look at it objectively I thought Argyle played fine they did lack um, a bit of a spark in the final third they struggled to to find their way past the Cambridge defence who I thought the two centre-backs were excellent they blocked and headed and did every mm. kind of job you'd want their centre-backs to do so yeah. was it a great game no but Argyle still had 14-15 attempts on goal they had one cleared off the line I, I thought they played I thought they played fine. They didn't play great. I think maybe a little bit of frustration that they drew 1-1 at Macclesfield last week, which was a, a disappointing result, although on the way the game went, it was probably a good point in the end. Um, and then another draw, people just got a little bit sort of frustrated by the fact that Argyle aren't winning. But they're not losing. They're still picking up points. With Exeter losing at Northampton, they're a point closer to them. 12 games to go. There's going to be ups and downs along the way. I, I didn't mm. think it was too... I, it wasn't great, but I don't think it was as bad as maybe one or two people were suggesting it was. It's, it's easy to forget as well that Cambridge are coming into the game on the back of four straight wins. I think they're the most informed team in League Two. So, you know, under their new 
oh, is he caretaker at the moment? I don't think he's got the interim head coach, Mark Bonner. Yeah. So, at the, so at the moment under Bonner, you know, they're performing as good as anyone in the league. You know, sometimes league positions are a bit false, and I think certainly for Cambridge under their new manager, that that's certainly the case. So I don't think it was a bad result. They were certainly missing a little bit up front, but they headed a one shot off the, off the off the line as you mentioned. And sometimes you just got to give credit to the opposition. It's not always about oh Argyle didn't do well enough. Sometimes you just have to give credit to Cambridge who I thought looked quite good and perhaps they'll be wishing that they played a bit more like this earlier in the season because they'll probably be a good chance for the playoffs well, like that they've had some crazy results haven't they they beat Argyle up at the Abbey they beat Exeter at the Abbey they beat Bradford a couple of weeks ago and getting a draw away at Home Park's a good result for them as well So absolutely and, and to put that into perspective like Jack said that's the first points that Cambridge have dropped since Mark Bonner took over as the yeah. interim head coach after replacing Colin Calderwood so the fact that a team that had won their previous four games came to home park with the clear intention of trying to play for a draw, really, says says a lot. And I, I did see some of the quotes from Mark Bonner after the game and, you know, he was delighted with the point. I, you know, I, he felt that his team should have had a penalty and I think it was a good case for that, Jack. I don't know if you had a better view of it than no, I. Thought it was. Than I. Um, so I think maybe there was a little bit of luck for, the, for our goal there, but... On the on the other foot, Argyle did have one cleared off the line, and you know, did, did Cambridge deserve anything more than a point from the way they approached the game? But you know, if spots and maybes, it, it was a frustrating day because Argyle had plenty of the ball. They got on around the penalty area, didn't they? But there wasn't a lot. What, the it, keeper made what one save. I think so. Even though they did well, Cambridge, I do think they were there for the taking. Mm. If Argyle just had that that little bit extra, I think mm. they they could have won that game quite. Anti Sarsvik had a great chance of a header in the first yeah, half. Yeah, that was a good chance. You know, with the form he's on, you thought that would have gone, mm. would have gone at least on target, but he headed it over. Um, but overall, what I would say is, you know, I would have been very happy over the last three games with six points, and they've got five, one point less. You know, because you would have thought, oh, we maybe lose to Crew and maybe win the other two. Five points out of those three games, I don't think is bad. So, it, it, as a fan, even I try and look at it more as a whole rounded thing. And for me, the most frustrating thing about the Cambridge game was actually the referee. Mm. I. Well, we've spoken about this before time wasting I get why teams do it I don't necessarily blame them but there were so many times where the goalkeeper was taking about 15 to 20 seconds in the first half to take a goal kick now we've mentioned this before but for me referees need to start t- stopping that yeah. like, they can so easily stamp that out and that, that for me was very frustrating I get why Cambridge do it I don't mind when Argyle do it you know it's one of those things fans love it when their team do it they hate it when the opposition do it I get it it's a game plan it worked they got a point I, I, I must admit Jack I don't like it when I see my team do it I, it's one of my big bugbears in football I, I go to football to watch football not to watch teams kill time and, and take ages restarting but if you get stuff. a point in a tough game like for example you know sometimes does the end it's, justify the means and I, I, I know where you're coming from I just, I just don't like to see it I Personally, I mean, there's all the talk about VAR and fourth officials, mm. this, that and the other. I think it's time that the EFL and Premier League should introduce timekeepers and have someone on the on the side with a, a stopwatch. The problem is you're going to end up with 15 minutes injury time every game. Well, but, but, I think, but I think the you referee, would have, you might do initially, but, 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 but it would soon stamp it out. I don't know. The thing is, I don't know if you need that. I just think the referee, it's quite clear when a goalkeeper is wasting time. The referees just need to... Sort it out. They can, can, there's certain things that they have the ease to control yeah. and they don't give do them a it. yellow card right at the straight, start. Well, the why wait until the 95th minute yeah, before you? I, I mean, you didn't yeah, do it yeah. in this game, but why wait that long when he's been doing it all game? Yeah. You know, it's. 
It's one of those things. It is. Right, now we've got that off our chest. <laughs> um, Jack, you, you mentioned there that there was just something missing. What do you think it was that was missing for our goal on Saturday? I don't necessarily think something's missing from the team. I just think in that game, there just wasn't that sort of finishing touch. I think I think we're going to speak a bit more about lack of goals soon. I, Cambridge blocked a lot. Again, again Macclesfield in midweek, every sort of chance they had was blocked by the Macclesfield defenders as well. You know you get certain games where a ball can just fall for you or doesn't fall for you. I think nearly every time in that Cambridge game, the bounce was just a bit too soon so the player couldn't connect or it was just a little bit too far where he couldn't get the right angle. Or You know when you get games like yeah. that, it was just seemed to be like that. They just didn't fall exactly right. And Normally in a game, at some point it will and it just didn't in, in that match. No, I, I agree. There was the rock opportunities where the ball just bounced in the penalty area and it's just crying out for somebody to be there in a green shirt and they're not and... Or a bouncer just gets to their shin rather than their foot. It's... It was frustrating. I, I, I wouldn't get too, you know, down about it. I, I thought it was a decent enough performance. One defeat in 11 as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I think the thing is, is we are getting towards the end of the season. It's, it's tight at the top. You know, the teams have been in good form. Uh, Swindon are, are still going along well. Crew got beaten by our goal, but, you know, they've got another win. Uh, and we can talk about it later on. You know, the teams below Argyle on the table are not that far behind. Mm. And so I think, quite rightly, fans want to see and expect to see their team win at home. But it isn't always going to happen. And maybe people thought Cambridge mid-table, 12th, should be an easy game, this one. And, um, and we found out, as you often do in League 2, that mm. uh, these teams are uh, normally well-organised. And I think... People can see how Argyle are going to play. They, they, if, if you're a half-decent manager and team, you should be able to at least put up a good fight because you know what Argyle are going to do. It's, yeah. There's no surprise when you turn up at home park the way that Argyle are going to play. So no opposition manager should ever come to home park and say, well, I'm a bit surprised by how Argyle played mm. today. They caught us out because they know what Argyle are going to do. It's, the important thing is, can Argyle do it to the best of their ability or close to it? And if they can, then they'll win most games. They didn't quite do it to the best of their ability by their own admission. You know, Ryan Lowe and Noel Canavan saw us afterwards and both, you know, said that we weren't quite, you know, quite quite at it. And not for the lack of trying, but it, it wasn't one of those. It was one of those days. I think, you know, clean sheet, point, move on. I think the frustration probably stems from the fact that Exeter lost away at Northampton, and yeah. it would have been an opportunity for our guys to go above them in the table. It's going to be nip and tuck. No, there's going to be so many I mean, games. Yeah. Uh, if you if you if you spend all your life watching the scores at other games during the game on the phone, you you're going to be going up highs and lows all the time, aren't you? Absolutely. I am. I am guilty of that. Whenever, <laughs> that <laughs> whenever, whenever, whenever the goal kick or someone's yeah. down injured, I get the phone out straight away and look them up because that that's what you love to do, isn't it? Like you, you know, you but are you're going to get the highs and lows, aren't you? Jack's yeah. that person in the crowd that lets everyone around him know as well, aren't you? Extra losing after one minute. That's what I was shouting on Saturday. That's what the cheer was in the first minute. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, yeah, Chris, we spoke it, earlier when you came in as well. Uh, Ryan Lowe even spoke about it, about um, rotation. Mm. Should he perhaps have rotated his squad in the last couple of weeks? I mean, he's mm. sp- spoken about doing it now, given mm. the amount of games coming up. But Argyle have just played four in, in two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah, You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. Yeah, um, They've been on a great run of form. You know, they've won however many games it was. I've, I've lost count of how many games they've won. Um, so you change the team. You draw or lose a game. Why did you change that team that was been winning so many games? 
you don't change the team, you get a draw at Macclesfield and a draw against Cambridge, well, perhaps we should have freshened the team up. Yeah. You, you really are. what. I'm not going to second-guess him on team selection. I think ultimately they've been playing really well for quite an extended period of time. Uh, and basically the same group of players have done the job. Where, you, where would you have changed it? You wouldn't change the goalkeeper. The back three, Gary Sawyer's come back in and done well the last couple of games. I think you know he was, he's added a little bit more experience there. Um, the midfield... And the wing backs, you know, they they swapped the wing backs around on Saturday, didn't they? With mm. Callum McFadden coming in for George Cooper, which I can see why he did that because I don't think George Cooper's been quite as effective as he has been lately in recent games. But you do miss his delivery from set pieces mm. and crosses, and that stood out on Saturday. I think that was one of the frustrating things on Saturday that Argo weren't perhaps getting a good enough delivery in, which. George Cooper's given, but maybe defensively, you know, opposition teams have targeted that area. So that was a change that perhaps was being made. I thought Joe Edwards had a good game at right wing back. Sarsavik is, 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 you know, been, been excellent up front. You know, Jeff Cott's been scoring goals. Hardy's been coming off. So I'm not sure. I, that's a long way of saying I, I think he's done the right thing and picked the right team. But having had a busy workload, I think now is the time to look at players and think, well, where could we change it? Where could we freshen it up? Although there is a clear week this week before they go to Bradford. So there's no reason why players, I think the players have been given Monday off, for example. So they'll have had a, you know, a bit of a break before starting the preparations for Bradford. But then you're into the Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. So it's interesting that, that Ryan Lowe mentioned it, rotation. But with no midweek game this week, I wouldn't expect too many changes at Bradford next week. But there's a lot of games coming up in a yeah. short period It'll of time. It'll probably be the Tuesday afterwards. The problem is you because you've got the rearranged game against Grimsby on, yeah, the, on exactly. the third. Uh, you've got the Leighton Orient away game on the 17th, which comes three days after an away game at Morecambe. And I do think those back-to-back away games are really quite gruelling. So they're at Morecambe on the Saturday, then in London on the... Tuesday, so that strikes me as a game where you'd certainly be looking to sort of yeah. maybe fresher things up. So. so the problem you've got as well though is you know the players are going to want to be playing in these games. You you don't play all season to be getting to the the point where it really matters and wants mm. to be on the bench. You know, mm. and I think it comes. I, I don't think people shouldn't question managers. Of course they should, but I think you know Ryan. I think it's fair to say Ryan knows what he's doing. I think he's given fans no reason to you know question his judgment so far. He sees him in training. He knows he's a bit leggy. He you know I I just think he he does what he does for a reason. And you know, he could have made changes and they might have lost the two games they've drawn. You know, it's it shows how well Argyle have been doing that two draws, especially against a team that just won four games in a row, is seen as a disappointment now. Yeah. It's it's funny because we're speaking to Charlie, one of our colleagues at work who was at mm. the game and he said they would have been better off losing one and winning one yes. because they would have been a point better off. Yeah. But it, but it doesn't work like that often, no, it does it? No, so, that's so. right. Um, Jack, we were chatting earlier as well about goals, Argyle, and the lack of goals at the moment, or more so the lack of goals from open play. Is that a concern, do you think, for Argyle? Well, one, one goal from open play in the last three games, I think it is. Uh, overall, across the season, no, it's not, because I still think they've scored one of the most amount of goals in League Two. Um, I just think it's partly a bit of confidence as well. You know, there are certain games they play in, especially when they're going through purple patches of scoring, where every chance they have looks like it could go in. And recently, it's, you sort of sense that frustration a bit more. And Danny Mayer, I think he played fantastically actually on Saturday, but you mm. can see he was getting frustrated because every time he had a half chance, he has three men around him. He can never, fans are shouting, shoot, and he can't because there's three men in front of yes. him. And no matter how good he is, he can't make a ball I, go through. I a wish player. people would stop doing that because they keep telling him to shoot, but he's surrounded by, by two or three players. Yeah. and. 
yeah, good point. Yeah. So, I, so, so I, I feel for him, but you can see he's getting frustrated. You can sort of sense the frustration around a bit, and I think that's only going to intensify over the next few weeks because, like you said, we're getting towards the key stage. So the fans' nerves, because it, mm. it, it, no, no Argyle fan wants to go through the playoffs. This, you know, after recent years, I'm sure Exeter fans are the same, and it looks like it could be those two that are battling out for that first spot at the moment, especially if they don't win the upcoming games because the top two could start pulling away. So. But going back to the question, uh, I'm not overly concerned. I think it's good that Don Telford's coming back. I think he looked quite lively when he came on. Um, and Ryan Hardy's been good from the bench. So I, I think things are looking okay. And I also think that Bradford need to get points to get into the playoffs. Mm. They can't... <clears throat> I think games are, because games are running up, they can't play against Argo hoping for a point if they want to get in the playoffs. It could be a more expansive game. Therefore, I would expect to see goals on Saturday. And I would just make the point that Less than a fortnight ago, or a fortnight ago on Tuesday, Argyle went to Salford and won three two, and all three goals yeah. were from open play. So you can you can take little short snap shots of things and and try to make something out of them or not. If it becomes six seven games, yeah. then that's a different matter. So, like I said, they went to Salford and scored three goals from open play. So I, I wouldn't be concerned about that at the moment. No, the flip the flip side, or mm. even a flip side, but mm. <clears throat> a positive for Argyle at the moment is the fact that they are defending very well mm. only four goals conceded in the last six games two of which were away at Salford yeah um, and I, I do think it's a, it's a funny one because you saw Argyle at Colchester and Jack and I were both there yeah. and, and they could have conceded six or seven in that game yeah. it was well they could be five and a half half time it, didn't they it, it was incredible and I, I do think they deserve a bit of because they went to Salford and conceded two goals James Wilson the former Manchester United striker um scored a couple of goals in that game and could easily have had a hat-trick in that game. And you just think, oh, crikey, are things just beginning to get a bit shaky at the back? So I think they, you know, they deserve a bit of credit for you know, having conceded three against Colchester and then two against Salford. So then Crewe, um, although there was a bit of good fortune with Chris Port in this, wasn't there? Yes. But, uh, <laughs> um, but you know, to, to play Crewe, Maxfield and, and uh, Cambridge and tighten it up, that's, that's good. And so I think... I think Gary Sawyer's having a quietly decent season and uh, he's five games away from 300 appearances for the club as well. So that's uh, a landmark to watch out for mm. for him uh, as we uh, as we get towards the end of the season. And also, particularly after last season where there really wasn't any sort of commanding of the goalkeeper area, Alex Palmer does a very yes. good job of that. Yeah. You know, last season, every time a cross came in from an opposition, I was worried. But Alex Palmer just seems to catch... 9.5 out of 10, 10 chances you know he's so commanding of his area even when the ball doesn't look like it's going to go anywhere near his hands he some, somehow like Stretch Armstrong grabs it and the ball's in his possession if you're a big goal if you're a big tall goalkeeper that's got a good build about you if, if you go for the ball even if you it's going to put the opposition strikers off isn't it yeah. no, no opposition strikers mm. or not many if, if you see this, this giant pink figure who's about I don't know how, old, how much Alex weighs he must be 14 15 stone he's a big he's a big man tall and physically but you're not going to really want to be battering <laughs> into into him are you if you're a sort of mm. 5 foot 10 striker so I think he commands the box really well and that's not to even talk about his one on one shot stopping is, mm. is fantastic probably the best I've seen at Argyle for quite a few years actually mm. I've, especially Macclesfield there were a few chances where Argyle could have been behind and he he just gives you belief, doesn't he? That, that must, that must. If you're a centre defender, last season, that must relax you. It must have, must not it? If you've got a, a keeper that will come and take crosses, absolutely. Because last year they didn't have that, and I, I sort of, it, I think it propels forward. Yeah. They're, they're, they're no one's sure what's going on, but it all seems to be much more set in. 
under this team. Absolutely. No game this week, although the under-23s are playing Fulham. Tuesday night at Hyde Park, Park yeah. yeah. on Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said as we, we, we came in to record the podcast, Chris, that it sounds as though Argyle are going to go quite strong in that. I guess, really, with Ryan O talking about rotation, mm-hmm. he wants to see some players in action. Yeah, I think a few of the, the players that maybe haven't played masses of minutes lately could get a run out. I mean, maybe somebody like Joel Grant, for example, people like that will, will, will get some some minutes in that game. It will be a, a good quality game. Um, Argyle still have a chance of qualifying for the knockout stages. They'd have to beat Fulham and hope that Everton beat Watford in their last game. Um, so that is, it's an opportunity. Anytime that you're not in the first team and you get a chance to play and the manager's watching, you've got to try and make the most of the opportunity. And he, Ryan Lowe mentioned the t- subject of rotation. So it's, it's, it's in his mind, it's in his thoughts. Now, if you play in that game against Fulham and you do well, you know, if Joel Grant goes in that game and scores two or three goals against Fulham, he, he's going to be knocking on the door of yeah. playing against Bradford. So, and, and there's other players as well that you know, would have a chance to maybe uh, to be involved. So uh, an important game, yeah. Uh, or not an important game, but a good game to, for, for players to, to stake a claim. Is, for, uh, do you say it's tomorrow night, is it? Or tomorrow? Tuesday night. Tuesday night. Seven o'clock. Seven o'clock Tuesday night. So get yourself to Home Park <laughs> if you want to watch some football. Mm. Uh, Jack, you're going to take us into the half-time break with your half-time teaser. I won't mention the fact that Stu's been trying to cheat all morning so I work <laughs> next to him, but uh, <laughs> slander is that. Anyway, so, so I think we've done the right recently. Remember recorded as well, Jack. You're in trouble now. <laughs> I just, just admitted to it as well. I was forced to say that. Okay, so clue number one for the latest uh, teaser. He was born in Pontefract on October the 2nd, 1985. Don't tell me who... You don't know it already, do you? No, I'm just writing oh, the other day. Chris is smiling. I thought we can't have got it after that. No, I'm just... Uh, that makes him 34. It was just a few years after the millennium that he made his debut. It came on October the 5th, 2002, and was for Barnsley. At Barnsley? For Barnsley. For Barnsley. So he would have been 17 when he made his debut for Barnsley. It's like a maths lesson over on Chris's sheet of paper. His time at Barnsley come undone in August 2007, where he moved to Huddersfield Town. He joined the Pilgrims in July oh. 2011. You're right, have you stubbed your toe? I'm, I, no, I think <laughs> I'm right. No, no, it's not who I think it is. He joined the Pilgrims in July 2011 and went on to make 46 appearances for the side. Hang on. Can I just have a quick pause for a moment? Fill in, Jack, while I'm just thinking. No, no, go on. So, if, if you think you get it, don't say the name out loud because yes. people will be playing along at home, but let me know you think you've got it and we can come back to it. He was far from an angel in an FA Cup tie whilst with Argyle. He did something stupid and got sent off and it took him three months to regain his place back in the first team. Um, I think I know that one. I think I've got an idea, Jack. After leaving Argyle, he moved to Ireland where he played for a flood of teams. Most recently, this is the last clue before the break and I've got one more clue afterwards. Most recently, he was a coach for the under-19 side at Limerick, a job where he probably needs a lot of patience. That's the last clue going into that break. Well, welcome back to the second half of the podcast. Um, we're still, well, I'm still trying to work out the teaser. I think you've got it, haven't you, Chris? I, I think so. I'm pretty confident. Confident. Jack, you've got one more clue this, this, to give? The last clue always gives it away. I, I think there's some song titles uh, being mentioned in the clues here, you isn't there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Switched on. Yeah. You can argue between yourselves which is the better man, as he shares his name with a famous singer. Any ideas, Stu? No, I'm totally lost with this one. Chris. And you accused me of trying to change as well. <laughs> you mentioned what was a clue about Angel? 
He was far from an angel yeah. in an FA uh, Cup tie whilst with Argyle. He did something stupid mm-hmm. and got sent off. And it took him three months to regain his place back in the... See, Jack's put a bit of thought into this. Yeah, this it's, it's quite a good one. There are one, two, three, four, mm. five, six, seven, seven song titles in these clues. I think I got it on the 2011 signing for Argyle in 2011. Who do you think it is? If you don't get it now after all I, those clues. I'm extremely confident it's the one and only Mr Robbie Williams. It is Robbie Williams. <laughs> well, not the one and only. <laughs> the other Robbie Williams. <laughs> the other Robbie Williams. Is, as I'm sure the former Argyle left back is often being referred to the other Robbie Williams. So he used to play yeah. a Robbie Williams bit when he used to come yeah. out to play every game. <laughs> so there we go. Robbie Williams. Good. That was a very good one this week. That, well that was... Good, good effort. I put the song titles in caps so I remember which ones are which. <laughs> yeah, no, very good. Indeed. Right then, chaps, let's look uh, mm. at the rest of League Two. Jack, you made the point earlier on, which I thought was quite interesting, that you think it's, um, or it sounds as though you still think it's going to be three from, from four. I'm not so sure. I mean, looking at the league table now, Swindon, you know, they've won three, drawn one since Doyle and Yates returned to the club. Crew won six, drawn two, lost one of the last nine. Cheltenham are creeping up. They've won six, drawn one, lost two of the last nine. Port Vale are on a great one. They've won six of the last ten. Bradford are actually in really bad form. They've only won one of the last eleven, believe it or not. But yeah. um, Northampton as well are, are, are yeah, good form as well, aren't Colchester they? Colchester are mm. still in there as well. I, I, I still think it's mm. there's nine teams looking at it for I, me. I don't think you can look at any... All the sides outside the playoffs have also played one or two extra games. They've all played 35, I think. So I've, and there's, I think, a nine-point gap. So, you know, I know not every team above them are going to win those games, but I, I would be shocked if anyone outside the top seven would get into the top three. I definitely think there's a, there's a case for the playoffs, especially with the likes of Port Vale. Um, but yeah, you're, you're quite right. Cheltenham uh, and Northampton definitely have a chance if, if results don't go elsewhere. And also, I don't know, I've not looked at all the fixtures. I don't know how many of those teams have got to play each other. I know Exeter have got crew coming up. Is it next Tuesday? Tuesday? I know yeah, Argyle obviously got to play Exeter. Argyle got to play Northampton. So I know a few of them, but I don't know in terms of the rest of them, how many, many of them got to play each other. But it's going to be a very fascinating final... Well, we're now going to two, two it, months. It is. It's, I mean, we've said in this podcast a few times, haven't we, you know, it's going to be really tight and probably go down to the wire. And I don't think we were being particularly brilliant in saying that, but it's, 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 it's yeah. going to be that way. Northampton, to me, looked like a team that could really make a strong finish. They're, they're, they seem to have found a consistent run of form. Keith Kerr was close to winning the manager of the month last year, when, uh, last month when, when Ryan Lowe won it. They look very strong at home, so I, I I could see them, you know, making a real big push. Cheltenham, you know, you thought might you know had a good start to the season. And you, I perhaps thought they might sort of drift away towards the fringes yeah, of did. the playoff races. I think a lot of people probably would have done. So fair play to Michael Duff and, and uh, their recruitment as well. They've recruited really well, well in January. And Alfie Ruben Reed's back yeah, scoring goals. Yeah, and I think he's got three in the last three for Chelsea. Yeah, and Alfie May's a good striker as well. So yeah. their recruitment's been good. Uh, you, you certainly couldn't underestimate Port Vale as well. Um, Colchester, you know, you didn't mention mm. Colchester in that list. And they've had a, a couple of not so good results uh, recently. But Jack and I saw them against Argyle. They were brilliant that yeah, day. So, so I, I think... Certainly, from the teams below Argyle in the table, I wouldn't be ruling out you know the likes of Cheltenham, Northampton, Port Vale, Colchester, uh, and then Bradford. We can talk about the Bradford game in a moment, but if Bradford are going to get themselves in amongst those teams that I've just mentioned, they're going to have to beat Argyle. Yeah, I think so as well. Yeah. Nathan Jones on Quest. I don't know if you guys saw Quest on Saturday yes, night. It, yep. was, it was interesting what he said actually, because mm. he feels that like League Two is the hardest league to get out of. 
obviously he experienced promotion with um, Luton and then went on to win promotion from League One. But despite there being an extra play, you, I know that you don't believe that, do you, Jack? Because you believe that because of the fact there are four promotion well, places. Well, factually, it's easier to think about. <laughs> There's no argument against that. You can talk about the mentality, but factually, there are more promotion places to get out of that league than any other division. We should have got Nathan that, Jones on the that, podcast. That, that, been, that, like, that, that really shot that argument <laughs> there. Well, there, there, is, there is no argument against that, though. That is a, that is a pure fact. The Not National League argument. is one of the hardest ones to get out of because there's only two promotion places. So have, stick that in your pipe <laughs> it's, it's a very good point that you make his point was interesting though to be it fair was, with yeah. the way you've got to plan differently against different teams yeah well we might as well move on from that well, I think yeah. <laughs> well, it's what, I think it's worth pointing out what he said because I, I do think he's right actually in terms of in league team more than any other league there's such a disparity between the top and lower yeah. teams I would say and the pitches you play well, on and the style of, style and the style of play of, I think you know if, you, if you're in the championship or something like that every team is going to yeah. be going to be a decent football team in, in League One we, we know from Argyle over the last couple of seasons you know there's some good generally teams play good football yeah in League Two there is a big variation between the way that some teams play compared to Argyle and you know who's to say who, what's right and what's wrong you know some teams style certain teams and certain squads better than you know than others so I, I think it's the very don't you think students there's a big agree. variation yeah. of styles and tactics yeah. and formations so that you, you every week you're planning for perhaps something different yeah. whereas the higher up you go you, you not every team that, that's why I think it's interesting looking at our goal because a lot of teams a lot of teams in the top half of the table I think mm. are equipped better than our goal to play against those different types yes. of scenarios whereas Argyle because they only have that one way of playing mm. when they come up against the Cambridge or, or a yeah. big physical robust yeah. team mm. they do struggle a little bit more yeah I mean but Ryan Lowe he, he believes if his yeah. team does his That's job he sticks. now there's two ways of you know the other way as well should you be more adaptable to try and combat other teams he believes if we play well We'll beat the opposition. So, and and there's also the pitches as well. You know, there are some yeah. shocking pitches in League Two, really bad pitches where you just can't play football. The higher up you get, you mm. know, championship level, most pitches are going to be like a carpet. But there's no getting away from the fact that it's easiest league to get out of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because they're all the pressure <laughs> No, well, I think we should have tried to get Nathan Jones. It'll be quite an interesting so debate now, I think, between Jack and, and yeah. Nathan Jones. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Bradford then. Bradford next up for our goal. One win and 11. I couldn't believe that when I was looking at the stats earlier. And yet there they are just clinging on to a, a playoff place it, or just outside the playoffs. They, to me, strike, strike you as a team that they're probably being weighed down by expectations. Yeah. They, they're a big club. If you've been to Valley Parade, we all have. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a massive stadium, isn't it? Yeah, you, you, could, you could play Premier League football yeah. in that ground as it is now. And it, they did. And, and they did. Play. And part of the reason it is how it looks is because when they were in the Premier League, they built those two really big stands and it dominates the, the city. You can see it from miles away, yeah. can't you, when yeah. you, when you drive to It reminds me a bit of Newcastle, but yes. like on a sort yeah. of half... Yeah, absolutely. If it's a half half scale, sort yeah, of exactly. I remember when I went there. The biggest thing that struck me is how quickly it is to get from city to city in that area of the world. Yeah. Being from Plymouth, it's so unusual <laughs> that you can just be in one city next to it and another city five minutes later. Yeah. It's, it's I just wonder whether they the so Argyle fans are desperate to get out of League Two and beat higher. Bradford fans have seen their team play in the Premier League not that long ago, you know, and um, they they must be desperate. And you wonder if that just creates that pressure of expectation and. When it doesn't instantly go right, do the fans get on their backs a little bit? 
so I, I haven't done too much research into Bradford as yet, but you would have thought that if you're an Arbel team, the, the one thing you, you do go there is make sure you don't give them an early goal. Go there and try and frustrate the fans a little bit like the Arbel fans were on Saturday. Frustrate them. and. Um, I, I just think it's fascinating when you look at Bradford and the season that they've had, because obviously I think it's pretty much been dominated by the whole... Owen Doyle situation yes. and the fact that they loaned out this striker to a promotion rival mm. who banged in so many goals for yeah. them and yet despite him then going to Swindon again mm. at the end of January what I was even more surprised at was seeing James Bourne mm. leave mm. and go to, to yeah. Tram there yeah, I know he's from Merseyside and wanted mm. to go back home but to me they didn't seem to that, bring in any sort of replacement and that adds on to what Chris is saying about expectation if you're, if you're a Bradford fan yeah, and you see Doyle come mad. back and leave and then you see your top goal scorer leave you've got to question what the ambition of the club are and you know I know there's financial constraints and they might have to do things for certain reasons but that doesn't get away from the fact if you're a fan and you're not in the best of form and you've got these two players that one for another team to score goals and one in your team and they both go mm. that's that's a big blow and, and it's interesting so, so it's, I bet there's a lot of anger maybe mm. at, not the manager because obviously Stuart is quite popular there but mm. up, yeah. higher up that, that club because why would you be happy with that scenario? I think that's why Stuart McCall came back in because mm. he's loved by the Bradford fans and yeah. he takes a lot of the pressure off the board. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting he went back though because he, yeah. he wasn't treated that brilliantly before. No, he wasn't. Because um, I think if memory serves, he had them around the League One playoffs. Yeah. Um, and then you look what's happened in the in the inter- in inter- intervening period and uh, you know that clearly wasn't the right decision, was it? Um, Gary Bowyer they replaced. You wonder if... There was something going on between Bowyer and Owen Doyle, why it didn't work, and then they they bring back Owen Doyle, they leave uh, Bowyer in place, then Doyle goes to Swindon, then then they change the manager. Maybe they should have been thinking about, well, what can we do? Can we try and keep Owen Doyle? Can we get him scoring goals for us like he was for Swindon? It that from the outside, their whole season's been dominated by that question, doesn't it? Yeah. Really, you know, how could you loan out one of your players to the opposition and then see him score twenty one goals in twenty two games, or whatever it was? Then recall him, and then. But also, he's there, but he was there for a month. and didn't score a goal for them as no. well. You know, and but, I think I think Doyle had come out saying he didn't want to leave Swindon yeah. as well, which is tough. Again, from the outside point of view, and this might not be correct, but mm. I get the feeling that Bowie might be a bit of a full guy at that club because mm. I think from from what it looks like, it's, it seems like cost cutting measures. That's the only way I can sort of describe it, and I think maybe because they were in the playoffs, yeah, they had they had to get rid of certain players, and they've dropped down, and mm. maybe that's you know I, I think mm. maybe he's the one that's. Lost his head with it. So, so they will they will want to win this game on Saturday because yeah. like they are, we've said how much some you mentioned Stu the, the form that the likes of Swindon, Crew, Chel- Cheltenham, Port Vale are in. They can't lose much more ground now, otherwise no. it's going to be too late. And I think that will actually benefit Argyle. I think the mm. fact that Swindon need to win this game will make it a much more open game, will suit the Argyle players quite quite nicely. And hopefully I, I don't remember if it was the last time. I was there. Well, last time Argo were there, it was a nil-nil poor draw. It was. So hopefully it'll be a bit better. It was. Just going back to Bradford, that one win, by the way, was against Stevenage as well. And they're pretty much the sort of whipping boys of the division, aren't they? Mm. Mm. Um, another interesting thing for me is the fact that there's only one team that gets relegated from League Two this year. Do you yes. think going into the running, mm. that's going to have quite an impact as well? Because you'd imagine that the teams in the lower half of the table that can't make the playoffs or can't get relegated, yeah. there's going to be an awful lot of teams with nothing to play for come the last... So I, think, I, I think that's a, a really good point. For potentially five or six matches, it could be as much. Yeah. Because if Stevenage don't pick up soon, they're going to what? Are they seven points adrift yeah. now, eight points adrift. If they don't pick up soon, there's going to be in in April. There's going to be a lot of teams with nothing to play for, mm. and and they're professional. And you know, I'm not sure any team goes out not wanting to win. 
but there's degrees of wanting to win and, and things like that. And, and also, if you're, a man, if you're a manager, you're thinking, some of these players, I need to make up my mind where I want to yeah. keep them. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. Even though it might affect what goes on at the top, if you're a manager of a club, you've got to think about what's best for your yeah. club. If you're one of the top teams, if you're one of the top teams and you've got teams that are sort of 18th, 20th and 21st, where ordinarily they might be fighting against a relegation, but instead they've, they've only got professional pride to play for that. That could make a difference. I, I know attention's going to turn to the next season, isn't it? You know, well, uh, as yeah. well. And our goal got Port Vale in the last game of the season at Home Park, so that could that be, be that could be quite game. a big game. Mm. Yeah. But what changes do you expect for Saturday? Then you, you think it's going to be the same well, sort of team? I, think it, well, I don't think it'll be wholesale changes. Um, I know what I'd do if I was manager. Go okay. on, Jack. Go on then. I'd, I'd move <laughs> Edwards into defensive midfield because I don't think Baconson, Backinson, mm. people pronounce it differently, has played particularly well recently. Mm. I mean, Byron Moore back into right wing back and put Don Telford up top with Luke Jeffcott, if he's fit enough. Obviously, I don't know exactly how fit he is. Um, and I'll bring Cooper back on left wing. Those would be my changes. I think this game could suit Cooper at left wing back. Mm. I, I really think he could be the key point for this match. I, I quite like the sound of that, Jack. Yeah, yeah, so it's a job. Cooper <laughs> at left wing back, Byron Moore right wing back, Joe Edwards into the midfield holding role. And Telford up front. I could listen to Harley being up front as well. Um, it comes to fitness with those two, I think, and Ryan knows you know that better than anyone. You know, maybe I, maybe I might lean towards Ryan Hardy because he's scored a few goals recently and, um, admittedly, not starting games as a sub, but he scored goals. So I'd perhaps go with Hardy in that scenario. But yeah. That's, that's good, I like that. The, the left wing-back role is interesting, I think, looking at our goal, because obviously George Cooper has been exposed a few times of late, and maybe that was why Ryan Lowe's taken him out of mm. the team. Uh, from memory, I, I remember seeing Bradford earlier in the season, they were quite strong on both flanks, mm. so maybe he'll... But I, I mean, I get the point before, I, I feel like George Cooper's a bit of a full guy in that scenario, mm. because I feel like, as I said at the time, the left centre left centre back and the defensive midfielder should be coming out to help him in that scenario. There's still three de- in the centre backs. There's yeah. still a defensive midfielder. Well, the fact that he's got Gary Sawyer back I on think the left that, of the back, that is helping. Yeah. I think Sawyer gives you that little bit more stability at, at left side of mm. centre back, which then gives um, George Cooper a bit more protection. So yeah, uh, that's a good shout, Jack. I, 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 I like that. <laughs> I, like, I, like I, that. I feel a bit for Backinson because I think he started off well, but I just think he's not been quite quite on point recently. Yeah, and, and Josh Grant's injured at the moment, isn't uh, he? And it shouldn't be underestimated. I think that. When when you get a loan sign in who's not played all season, he you you come in he came into the team and did really well and you've got that initial high. adrenaline rush yeah. and high and everything's going well, but then all of a sudden you're playing sort of eight games in twenty nine days. He's got nothing to really fall back on in terms of match fitness, first team competitive fitness from the first half of the season. Yeah. It's almost inevitable he's going to have a little bit of a dip yeah, because you, he's not a robot. You know he he perhaps needs a little bit of a break. Because he's not got that solid of experience of game behind from him. Joe Edwards has proved he can do a good job in midfield holding role. I think that's a that's and that's a good thing about Byron Moore. As we talked about his first season so, before, but you know, in the, if it's not working in the second yeah. half, you can put him up top, take a strike yeah. off, and bring on or put Edwards back. There's so many different alternate alternate ways of doing it. He, he he's really turning out to be a, a, a very good player. For he's the linchpin of the team, I'd say, because he's, he he can just do pretty much anything you want him to, mm. and. Uh, he gives Ryan Lowe that flexibility that when he wants to make a substitution, put him back, bring on an extra, uh, bring on a striker. But you've you've got an extra attacking. It's almost as well. it's almost like having two substitutes it, it in is, one. Yeah. in a weird way, yeah. it, it really does. Here's a definition of versatility, really. Absolutely. Well, it'll be interesting to see what the team is, and if Ryan Lowe goes with that, then we know he's been listening to the podcast. <laughs> You're welcome, Ryan. Anytime. <laughs> I also met, remember Ryan Hardy's that scouted him two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right, Jack, Chris, thanks for joining me on the podcast and thanks to you out there for listening. We'll be back with more of the same next week. Bye-bye. We are always happy to hear from you and if you have any questions for our panel, please tweet them to our Twitter account at Herald PAFC or visit our Facebook page, Plymouth Argyle The Herald. Thanks for listening.